ever wondered what hypnosis might be and what it can do for you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere with your host, Inez Simpson. This is the show that talks to everyone from the experienced practitioner to the cautiously curious and, yes, even the skeptics. Now, here's Inez Simpson. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere, and this is Inez Simpson, of course, and I do have my sidekick, Martin Gover, with me today, and we're welcoming on the show today uh, one of my great Simpson Protocol trainers and who's written a book called Skies Wide Open, and uh, I'm going to let you tell him all about it. This is a great show for parents because it's about how to get their kids to learn and love learning. So, Tim, welcome on and just give us first a, a little tidbit of how you got into hypnosis and sort of where your background lies a little and all that kind of stuff for the people. Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's a great question. Well, I was interested in hypnosis when I was a kid, obviously, just from, uh, you know, reading books and things like that, but then kind of became a, uh, you know, a forgotten thing to me. But then at the age of 25, 26, I had panic attacks. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking I was having a heart attack. And I took a self-hypnosis class. And within a month, the panic attacks were gone. So I realized the power of the hypnosis. And because I'm just the kind of person who loves to study things, I uh, took a class and became a certified hypnotist with a guy named uh, Bert Goldman. I really like Bert's a fantastic guy, if you've ever met him. He's, uh, they call him the American monk, and he has an interest in so many different healing modalities. Um, anyway, um, I, I went from there and did hypnosis sort of part-time. I also was a school teacher for a long time, and I eventually became a certified instructor with the National Guild of Hypnosis, combining my two great loves, hypnosis and teaching, and I teach classes in hypnosis. So... If I can learn hypnosis and I can learn all the things I did, I mean, I, I went through a lot of college programs and, you know, have a lot uh, some degrees and so forth. And I don't think I'm necessarily any quicker than anyone else. Um, so what I determined was uh, if I could teach other people how to utilize their minds to learn more easily and, and, and let the educational experience be a little more fun for them, it could be a real beneficial thing. Um, so, as a school teacher, I used some of the techniques that I discuss in the book with my students when they came in. But I thought if you really want to do anything, you want to establish a solid foundation, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if children have a good foundation from when they're very young and they learn how to, how to learn and how to enjoy learning, it doesn't matter who their teacher is. They already have the tools available to take whatever information comes to them and utilize it in the best way for them to move forward and have a happy and healthy life. Because ultimately, that's what we want for our kids, to be happy and healthy. And the more knowledge they have, the better able, uh, the more able they are to reason when the issues, the vagaries of life come up, the happier they're going to be in their lives. So that's kind of why I wrote the book. And there's a, it's called Skies Wide Open, and then it has a subtitle. And what, you better give us a subtitle. Okay, how to teach your child to dream big and love learning. Uh, one of the thoughts I've always had uh, that I share with people is the fact that when you define something, you end up limiting it. You don't just say what it is, you also say what it is not. And frequently, we do too much of the telling children what things are not. But we don't tell them why they're not. 
Um, it's the uh, it's the idea of when a parent is asked a question from the child, um, they believe the child just wants the answer, and if they give them the answer, the child has that one little tidbit that they can file away. But if you show a child how to research and find out these things and use their natural curiosity, not just use it, but feed it until it becomes just a natural part of who they are, it allows them to begin to take things in, to reason them, uh, make decisions in their life. All those things, you know, just reasoning ability and the ability to think deeply. If children begin to do that at the very beginning and they're honored for it by their parents, it doesn't just end in childhood, it carries on beyond that. And then children and parents become uh, co-explorers into this incredible world. What I think is wonderful about uh, education is uh, you can share a love of education with anyone. Uh, beyond that, if the children come to their parents and they're asking them questions and the parents are open to them, at the very beginning, when the uh, elementary school and middle school, when kids have more difficult decisions to make, you know, whether to smoke, whether to drink, relationship problems, things like that, if the parents have been the ones that taught them how to learn and how to reason things out, they've already opened a line of communication that can carry out throughout, throughout both of their lives. So when the children are in high school, when they go to college, those lines of communication with the parents have been established and a degree of trust and openness is there. And that's a pattern, that's a road you want to keep building on. It's true. And, and I think uh, when that happens, you have a well-rounded, um, ex- you know, all of us growing up, we are not always well-rounded. We are good in one thing. I know when I grew up, I was learning things, and I only sort of learned stuff I wanted to learn. <laughs> So it's about ah. you getting, yeah, and that's important, right? I was sort of a little segue for you <laughs> to lead in no, think, how to create that for, for them. What, let's talk about this. What did you like to learn when you were younger, Inez? Mm, I, in school, I was interested in all kinds of things that I could think out of, but if it was too simple for me, I would get kind of bored. Yeah. And. Um, and actually, I got to a stage that I did all kinds of weird things. I, I started, I was really good at math, like regular math. But when I suddenly got into algebra, it's like I shut down and didn't even want to learn it. So if we can, if I had actually been instilled with some uh, uh, earlier help, um, I mean, I, I've done okay, right? But <laughs> I'm thinking when I was in school, it would have been much easier if I'd had some of the stuff that you're talking about. Let's 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 uh, talk about some of those things, right? For example, there there were things you enjoyed in mathematics that really were interesting to you. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about math. Um, <laughs> oh no! If you learn mathematics, <laughs> no. What 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 happens with mathematics is there are right answers and wrong answers. It's yeah. definitely black and white. Mm-hmm. But if you really understand math, you also if you understand math and all the different variables and all the rest of that. You also understand mathematicians. You can study history from mathematicians, uh, how their lives were lived. And if you understand mathematicians, you can understand sociology. You can understand all these different things. What you end up doing is finding the thing a child likes, and you begin to expand on it. Think about their – I'm going to use a, a metaphor. 
we'll say that the, the thing they truly love is like the sun, okay? Hopefully it doesn't burn them. But it's like the sun. It begins to radiate out. And you take the passion the children have and you allow it to, to move out beyond that. You want to understand that? Great. Let me talk to you about uh, Kepler or Euler and how they discovered, how they discovered uh, calculus in a very similar period of time. You can understand how mathematics allows us to understand the universe, how to be able to measure things, how the idea of the world being round was actually discovered by the ancient Greeks, uh, you know, uh, 350 uh, BC or so. I mean, understanding math, understanding, if you just understand math, you also can understand science. You can understand sociology. You can understand all those different elements. That's, that's a great thing. Children have got to feed the passion that they're given. If that passion is fed and honored, they're going to be able to take it and move it to all different places. If you just give them the answer, it shuts them down. So, you know, that really makes a difference. I, when I was uh, in school, actually math was a sideline. I didn't really love it that much. <laughs> but what I did like was English and not the grammar part or any of that. I never liked that. Um, but it was about that. And I remember I wrote a, a, an essay on the philosophy of life. I think I was whatever. 10 or 12. <laughs> I wrote all this stuff and, and my teacher wrote on it that I was insane. <laughs> Which was not exactly yeah. a, a good thing to do. You know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think, think that, that kind of shut me down for the rest of the year with him pretty much. <laughs> okay. So what we're saying is words have power. And especially when you're young. You know, one of the things I made sure I didn't do when I had a student, if they answered, if I asked them a question, they gave me the answer. I wouldn't say you're wrong. I'd say something to the effect of, you know, that's really an interesting thought. Tell me, how did you come up with that? Because if I can understand their reasoning, I can, I can figure out where they went wrong and I can, I can uh, show them how to change the way they reason things. Because ultimately that's not it. It doesn't matter if you know uh, who Pierre Elliott Trudeau was or Margaret. It, it doesn't matter if you have those facts in the back of your mind. But knowing how to find that out and having an interest in it, that's going to make you more fully rounded and developed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree. To have a teacher tell you something like that and shut you down. Right? How is it? The word education comes from the Latin educare, to lead out, not to block in. So your teacher was a blockhead. Okay? <laughs> In more ways than one, but I won't go into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what I'm saying. What one of the issues is you want your you want your children not to be dependent upon the teacher to have a love of learning. Yeah. You want them to go in, and when they meet the teacher, they realize this teacher is not going to be perfect. They're going to teach you the best way they can. They're going to have uh, obstacles in their way. They're going to have a way of speaking to you that may not work for you. But if you can take the information they give you and change it, modify it, so you can learn it in the way that is best for you, then they still can be a resource for you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All education is, you know, I, all education is taking what is in front of you 
and creating context for it within your life, giving it life, giving it a, a vitality that makes it more than simply facts uh, on a page or uh, little quick uh, connections in the neural synapses of your brain, you know? Yeah. Um, the game I played with my students, I've told you this before, uh, the first or second day in class, I would hold a, hold a light bulb. And I'd say, if you understand this light bulb and everything related to it, even superficially, what would you know? And the truth is, they'd have to understand electricity. They'd have to understand how it went to houses. They'd have to understand the changes that lighting went when it went from, uh, from uh, gas lights and from flame to electricity. They'd have to understand how schools could be open longer. They'd have to understand optics and how light goes off. And they have to understand that light has mass. They'd have to understand science in all its dimensions if they truly have an understanding of it. Let's have kids open, have open minds like that. Yeah, that'd be great. So let's talk about that when we come back because we're going to break now and we'll see everyone on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, Inez Simpson here, the host of Hypnosis Everywhere on Voice America, and I'm here to give myself a plug. I want to plug three things that give me joy in my practice. First is working one-on-one with clients to work with them to get the outcome they desire. And as you know from the show, hypnosis covers a broad spectrum. And as a Voice America listener, I'm offering you a free consult. If you're curious or you feel hypnosis may help you and you want to find out more, go to InezSimpson.com and click on my client page. Second, mentoring. I love to work with hypnotists, new or who've been in the field for some time, and they want to change things up or move ahead or whatever it may be. You can find out everything at InezSimpson.com forward slash mentoring. Third thing, the Simpson Protocol. I'm passionate about teaching hypnosis and especially Simpson Protocol, which I teach around the world. And you can find out all about that at simpsonprotocol.com. Talk soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Inez, that's I N E S, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Welcome back, everybody. And we're on our second segment with Tim Horn and Stromboli, who is nicely in the background, <laughs> saving his butt about yeah. something. <laughs> Stromboli is a mark. Uh, tell us, he's a beautiful big dog, but you want to tell, tell people well, who Stromboli is. And, oh, he's in the book. <laughs> yes, actually. He's you know, a huge we dog. We take the things in our lives. Oh, he is a beautiful dog. Uh, we pick the things in our lives that have value to us. And my, my dog, uh, when I come home, he's about 110 pounds. Okay. So, yeah, all right. He's, all right. He's about 50 kilograms. <laughs> he, he, uh, he jumps up, he puts his paws on my shoulders and licks me in the face. Cause when he's standing, he's about six foot tall. That way. Anyway, um, Stromboli, uh, has been a part of my life for about four years. I was going through a, difficult time in my life and he happened to come in and you begin to associate the good times with Stromboli. When you see him, it, it locks in that positive feeling. Similar to what you want to do with your, uh, with your kids. When they go to school, you want them to lock in a positive feeling so it's always with them. What a great tie-in that was. Yeah, Boy, maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the well, truth. Anyway, I've met Stromboli one time. And he's actually on the acknowledgement page. It has, uh, for the acknowledgements, for the people who are kind enough to help me with the book, it's uh, Stromboli's dad's acknowledgements, a picture of him there. So get the book. You can see a picture of this beautiful dog. <laughs> you know, what I like about uh, Skies Wide Open is it explains to everyone what they yeah. can do to help their kids. And to me, that's the yeah. key, is if parents know what to do or how to do it, that's so beneficial because a lot everybody wants to help their kids. Well, let's say 99% of the people want to help their kids. <laughs> One of the things you need to do, Martin and I were talking about the fact that uh, people learn a, di- a little differently. And part of that is you listen to your children. There's a wonderful exercise called the lemon test. Uh, uh, Ron Esslinger, who's an exceptionally good hypnosis instructor, he uses this with almost all his clients, and I've heard it in other places. But it's the idea of going through the idea of a lemon walking on the floor, and you find out what modality is most effective for your child. Do they learn by touching things? Do they learn by smelling things? Are they auditory learners? So everything they hear, they keep. Is it visual? All the different elements. And if you find a child who's primarily uh, visual, you want them to take the lessons that teachers give to them and imagine them visually so they'll be able to absorb them better. If they're tactile, they like to touch things and create things. You may want them to read the book and maybe make a, a map or an outline, a three-dimensional outline of what they read or even draw it. Uh, if they're auditory, you want them to create uh, dialogue between the people in history and what they might be talking about and write it out for themselves so they can hear it and put in the emotions and give greater understanding. So what you're doing is you're teaching the child to determine the best way they learn, and then when they go to school, they are equipped with the tools to take whatever the teacher does and modify it to their own learning ability. It does a couple things. A, it turns them into active learners. When I go to school, I'm not there just to take the information, copy it down on a paper, regurgitate it on a test. I'm taking the information, I'm making it part of who I am. I'm giving it context, I'm giving it uh, a greater life because I'm going to be able to apply it to other things. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. 
I also and think it's totally empowering for them. Suddenly they have some control, right, of what's going into their mind and, and everything. Huge. Absolutely. I, if you think about it, what you don't want children to do is be passive learners. If the kids are just there sitting and taking notes, what happens? They're passively sitting there and they're taking in the information. But if they take it, if they use it, it's like a, knowledge is like a piece of clay. It starts out as clay, but you can shape it, you can form it, you can turn it into whatever you want. And if the children are actively doing that, you know, it's not literally hands-on, but it becomes who they are. And even the act of taking the information and changing it becomes part of the learning process. And when the children come home, when the parents ask them every single day, so what did you learn? What did you find interesting? It does a couple things. It builds an expectation in the child that the parents are always going to ask them what they learned. This becomes something that they want to avoid in this sense. You come home and the child doesn't know what the, the kids, the, uh, the teacher taught them, so they didn't really pay attention. It makes them feel uncomfortable. So to avoid that uncomfortable feeling, well, I'm at school, I'm sitting here and I'm learning about, you know, okay, who would they learn about? I'm sorry. I'm learning about uh, uh, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, C.S. Lewis. I'm being taught this. You know what? I've got to tell mom and dad about this, so I better pay attention. And I got to do it in a way that they can understand it. You come home, you explain to your parents the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. You're thinking about it not once, not twice, but three times. The teacher tells you, you change it, you modify it for yourself. And then when you come home, you have to reteach it to the parents. So that one bit of information that could have just passively been written down on a piece of paper, it begins to become three-dimensional. You take it, you begin to own it, and you share it with your parents. And if you do this every time, if the parents say it every time, the children know this is going to be a requirement. And when you come home, it's expected, and they'll do it automatically. And it's not a hardship. It's just a pattern, a habit that's developed. A habit of learning and loving learning. But imagine the bonding becomes great. Yes, and the bonding with the parents is fantastic. I mean, if you think about it, uh, sharing any kind of knowledge is vitally important. But if it becomes an expectation, it's that much better. But now we've talked about the good things that can happen in school. What if something bad happens? That I, what you talked about, that teacher... The teacher saying to you, you know, uh, you're insane. All right. If you're allowed to come back from school and tell your parents, you know, mom, dad, I had this experience with this teacher and she said I was insane. And your parents say, oh, okay. Well, let me ask you, what can you do so that doesn't happen or it won't hurt you? Then you become, what happens is the parents are telling you, you know, bad things are going to happen in school. I accept that. But what they're not allowed to do is stop you from going forth and learning. They're not allowed to prevent you from truly enjoying learning. Even the bad things become the lessons for you. Now, one of my favorite sayings and the one you hear me say frequently is this. There are two things in life. They're gifts and lessons, right? Annette, you're one of my favorite people. I think you know that. You're always <laughs> bubbly and, you know, you're just crazy enough that I, I feel your positive energy all the time. Now, that's a gift to you. Now, Inez, you have the opportunity to take that gift. You say, you know, Tim, that was really nice of you. Thank you so much. 
And if you do it that way, it does two things. A, it says to you, you know, I am a good person. I am bubbly. I have this great energy. And, and I accept that. That makes you feel better. But beyond that, you're saying my opinion of you means something. And by you accepting it fully, you're honoring me and you're showing the appreciation of who you think of me as a person, right? Yep. What you have to do is determine uh, to the, uh, you want your children to determine that they have the right to give people power to make them feel better, but they also have the power not to allow them to make you feel bad. Yeah. Right? And that includes yeah. teachers. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that's a great yeah. thing. They, they start to learn how to live life in a much more empowering way and, and much more learning way because I know I was interested in a lot of stuff and it was, you know, somewhat shut up. And I didn't have this. I'm not saying my parents didn't support me, but they didn't have a lot of time. They worked shifts and things, so they weren't home when I got home. All those things. So I think, you know, you, you need to envelop um, as a parent if you understand how much this means to the child and how much greater it'll be. And so I'm sort of looking at the parent right now because I know that many, everyone has tough times in between. There have, you know, shift work, they have other kids, they have all kinds of stuff. And just the understanding that if they do, it doesn't have to take a lot of time it's about teaching them how to learn for themselves and but being present so that they have uh, someone to play things off of and understand. And, you know, they'll start to talk to you much more about what's happening negatively at school than before. Yeah, that's true. But and, and if you think about it, it's like the volcano where all the, all the pressure builds up and by them being able to talk about it and realize there won't be a judgment or anything like that, mm-hmm. they can let it out. Sometimes you're doing shift work, yeah. spending some time with your kids, just spending time with your kids and say, you know, I, I was working down at the, at the mill and some things came up that were difficult for me to deal with. You know what? I really appreciate the fact that you're in school and you're learning. So maybe you'll be able to get a better job. I think that is so incredible. You know, I didn't learn as much as I should. Tell me what you learned today that could help me. You know? Yeah. What you're doing then is you're telling children that there isn't a hierarchy of who can teach whom, you know? Uh, when, I, I have, when I have a client come in, I can have 10, 11, 12-year-old kids. And I'm pretty well educated. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not super smart, but I'm smart enough. And a kid will come in and he'll say things to me. And he, he has such a different approach, a different way of viewing things, you know, that I can learn from him. Jeffrey Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales is a real simple line. He says, gladly will I teach and gladly learn, you know. If you tell your kids that you want to learn from them, that it's a free exchange. It honors whatever information they have. And it's going to allow those lines of communication, as we talked about earlier, to always remain open. What a wonderful thing, you know. That's, I think that's great. Even, you know, and the whole thing about some people are very oriented on the on the grade, you know. But, I mean, if you're doing this, I mean, uh, for me, the grade is, is uh, another aspect that's not even important because you are now creating a human being that's well-rounded and has self-esteem. You're so right. Let me talk about a thing we have in the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's called the Standards of Learning Test. 
And what is, let me give you let me give you an idea. Uh, assessment assessments are not education. Assessments are evaluation for one moment in time. And to tell somebody they're being judged for that is absolutely ridiculous. And in 30 seconds, I can't go through it with you. So I think I'm just going to cut it off. And when we come back from the break, I will go on a tirade that will burn the hair off your head. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we'll see you on the other side. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, Inez Simpson here, the host of Hypnosis Everywhere on Voice America, and I'm here to give myself a plug. I want to plug three things that give me joy in my practice. First is working one-on-one with clients to work with them to get the outcome they desire. And as you know from the show, hypnosis covers a broad spectrum. And as a Voice America listener, I'm offering you a free consult. If you're curious or you feel hypnosis may help you and you want to find out more, go to inezsimpson.com and click on my client page. Second, mentoring. I love to work with hypnotists, new or who've been in the field for some time, and they want to change things up or move ahead or whatever it may be. You can find out everything at inezsimpson.com forward slash mentoring. Third thing, the Simpson Protocol. I'm passionate about teaching hypnosis and especially Simpson Protocol, which I teach around the world. And you can find out all about that at simpsonprotocol.com. Talk soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Inez, that's I N E S, at inezsimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody, and I'm going to go straight to Tim Horn so he can get back on his rant. Go for it. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about standardized testing. If you go into a school system and the school system's evaluated by and determined how effective they are by scores they have on a standardized test, the teachers automatically begin to, like it or not, teach to the test. That should absolutely have nothing to do with education. A test is wonderful. But a test should be there to tell children, surprisingly, what they don't know and how they can learn better. That's all it's for. A letter, an A, a B, a C, or a D, 
they should have absolutely no effect on whether a child feels if they're learning or not. Um, we have, as I was talking in the Commonwealth of Virginia where I live, they have this uh, standards of learning. And essentially, I have children who are absolutely brilliant. They can go and learn so much more. But I have to take in a class of 25, 30 different students, what I had to do is I, tr I had to allow those students to understand how to take the test better. I taught them techniques so that they could learn how to take a test. That has nothing to do with education. And the fact is I did it as little as possible. What I did was I allowed the kids to enjoy whatever they learned. And I did well enough on the test and actually did better than most of the other teachers. But the fact is all standardized tests do is they standardize mediocrity. They move the kids who are at the highest down. They take the ones who are low and they bring them up a little bit. But that's not what you should do. You cannot possibly, part of the problem with education is when you have a group of 15, 20 kids, none of them are going to learn exactly the same way. None of them are going to learn at the same pace. But all of them deserve to be honored for their ability to learn at whatever pace they have. They should have the ability to feel good about how they learn and the pace they learn it. So that's what we should emphasize. I'm not saying that there should be boundaries set up for kids. Of course they should. But what we want to do is emphasize that they love learning and it's something that can carry with them for the rest of their lives. I mean, I, I'm still learning. Every day I learn new things. I take in new information and it affects the way I live my life. It never ends. And if children realize that their parents are not done learning, their grandparents are, their great grandparents are, and they can have a joy in learning, it really allows the world to open up for them. Okay. So standardized testing, grades, not a fan. <laughs> so what I'd like, well, the reason I really brought that up was mostly for people to understand as they're doing this sort of stuff with their kids is that it's not where the focus lies. It's not about, no. yes, you want them to do well, but don't, oh, you didn't make an A, you're in trouble now, that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, golly dang, no, no, no. Well, that's good. First of all, again, we talked about if you come back from school and you've had a bad experience and your parents ask you every single day, so what went wrong in school today? Well, this did. Okay, well, how can you make it better so it helps you, you know, grow and, and get to be a better person? Oh, well, I haven't thought about that. I mean, look at that. They begin to take every event that occurs in their life as that lesson we talked about. Mm -hmm. And if they take the lesson, the pain, the anxiety, the stress that's been created from it are not the important thing. It's the lesson that allows them to move forward and grow. That's the important thing. But it's what we emphasize that we give power. There you go. Grades and letters should not be the emphasis. Okay, great. I got that in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's something else I'm sure you want to say. So I'm just going to let you say it. Okay. Um, why are we doing this? Why, why do we want our kids to learn like this? We want them to learn like this so they can be happier in life. We want their minds to be so open that whatever comes to them, they have a way of putting it in their minds in a way that's acceptable for them. You don't want education to be stressful for them. 
You want it to be enjoyable. And you want them to be able to take whatever comes to them and apply it to something else. When I was growing up, I went to a, a very good high school, kind of innovative. And there was a girl who sat next to me in my physics class. Um, and she was very, very bright, I thought. Um, she, did, she did well. And she always had an interest in, uh, in uh, aeronautics and all the rest of this. She ended up going to the Naval Academy and she became uh, one of the uh, astronauts on the, uh, on the space shuttle, okay? Made exceptionally bright. But in high school, did I see that for her? Absolutely not. What she did was she took all the information she had. She took the passion she had. And because she realized she could take it and apply it to whatever she wanted, she went to the Naval Academy and she ended up joining the astronaut corps, right? I mean, that, that's absolutely incredible. What we don't want to do is limit what our children can do. You know, the runner, Roger Bannister, okay, who broke the four-minute mile. Before he broke the four-minute mile, people said this mankind just may not be capable of doing it. Well, just so happened Roger Bannister was studying to be a doctor. He understood oxygen, and he took a study of it, and he began to realize that, you know, if, if I do this thorough study of how much oxygen you take in, how the human body, you know, uh, works, I don't have to believe in this idea that the four-minute mile is impossible. And he ended up breaking the four-minute mile. As soon as he did that, the four-minute mile was done repeatedly after that. But people had put a limitation in their minds on exactly what they could do, right? Uh the book I talk about, and I know I've spoken to you about it, is uh, one of my favorite books is uh, Richard Bach's Illusions. And one of the passages that it has is, um, if you argue for your limitations, they become yours, right? But the only person who could put a limitation on you is you, right? Um, we want to make sure that children don't feel that there's a limitation. Or if there truly is some sort of physical limitation, they challenge it to see how far they can go. One of the great minds of the 20th century was a man named uh, Richard Feynman. And uh, Feynman wrote a book uh, called The Six Introductory Lessons in Physics. And he talked about what they do in physics. He said, you want to think of the world as a chessboard. And you put the piece down at the corner. And then you experiment. And as you experiment, you're seeing how far the piece can move. And sometimes you see it can move to different squares. Sometimes it can't. But in doing this, you're finding out the true range. We do that with all knowledge. We want to push it out as far as we can and see where its absolute limits are. And then we can go back and take it somewhere else. But we always want to be exploring. We don't want to stop. That's a little esoteric, but... Uh, well, it's like sort of fine. where we're from. We think that way about generally most things in life. I guess uh, we're either we're lucky enough to have that boost and that orientation, and we just like mm-hmm. to have kids start with that. It's really if I just think, oh, if they start that early, I think how great they would be when they're my age or you're a little you're long, younger than me, but you know, even your age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even yeah, I'm a young student. Even Yuri, yeah. <laughs> I want you to think about okay. You know, you know how much I love Stromboli. Let me tell you the life that Stromboli has. He has a large pen he can run in. We go on walks and all the rest of this. Stromboli has never had me hit him. 
He's never had me do more than raise my voice slightly to him. Whenever someone comes to the door, he knows that people are going to love him. He knows that people are going to think he's the world's best dog. You know, he'll protect them from the groundhog who's outside. Stromboli only believes that the best things will happen to him. And because of this, he lives a happy life. He has no limitations except how happy he can allow his life to be and how happy he can make me. Children are the same way. It doesn't mean you don't warn them, but it's the way you warn them. I'll give you an example. We don't have a lot of time. But if you see a child walking toward a hot stove, you can yell at them. Don't go by the stove. A huge shock will stop them. But what are they going to associate it with? I want to avoid my mom yelling at me. But if the child gets closer to the stove, begins to feel the heat, you say, you know, Bobby, if you get too close, that could burn you, and you're not going to like that. Get as close as you can, but there's going to come a point where you're going to feel it's not good for you. Learn that. Remember that. And then it's the lesson that comes in. Three or four times in the book, I talk about the fact that when a child falls down for the first time, parents will run up to them and say, Bobby, are you okay? What that does is it tells the child that falling down is a bad thing, that it could hurt them. If they wait, if the child stands up and they say, Bobby, I'm so proud of you for getting up. That is wonderful. What a great, strong kid you are. You honor the fact that sometimes things are not going to go well. And the fact that you're capable of recovering and overcoming them makes you a strong, a better human being. And it's something to be honored. So I do not ever care that you fail. I care that every time you fail, you get up, you learn from it, and you get stronger from it. That's the important one. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, you know what I think about this is that I look back over my life and with my kids, and I think we always do the best we can. But I can see that I could have done some things better than I have now. And then I think you continue to learn from that, and we can impart that kind of learning to other people so they do better than us. And that's sort of a lot of time what we're doing. Uh, even as hypnotists, we have learned lots of lessons in our life. <laughs> same human as you are we do all the same things we have all the same issues and we learn so this book i think is so good and what's the name of it again oh it's uh skies wide open how do you teach your child to dream big and love learning let's let's talk about what you said about the fact that you know when you when you look back you see that you there are some things you could have done better with your children Mm. who by the way every time i talk to them i think they're wonderful but this is the question. Oh, somebody asked me today what I do as a hypnotist. And I said, well, what I am is a mental parole officer. <laughs> this is how I described it. I said, you've done things in your life that are bad, that have hurt you, and they put you into a prison. The fact is you have the key to release yourself from prison, to stop punishing yourself. It's time to parole yourself. Move forward and have a happier and healthier life. Take the lessons. Don't hold on to the pain, the anxiety, and the stress. And we all have to do that. And children especially have to do that. You know? Yeah, that's, well, that's great. And guess what? We're back to a break. All right. I think we'll oh. see you on the other side, and we're going to have the last segment. Thanks. See you then. Okay, no risk. Yeah. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, Inez Simpson here, the host of Hypnosis Everywhere on Voice America, and I'm here to give myself a plug. I want to plug three things that give me joy in my practice. First is working one-on-one with clients to work with them to get the outcome they desire. And as you know from the show, hypnosis covers a broad spectrum. And as a Voice America listener, I'm offering you a free consult. If you're curious or you feel hypnosis may help you and you want to find out more, go to InezSimpson.com and click on my client page. Second, mentoring. I love to work with hypnotists, new or who've been in the field for some time, and they want to change things up or move ahead or whatever it may be. You can find out everything at InezSimpson.com forward slash mentoring. Third thing, the Simpson Protocol. I'm passionate about teaching hypnosis and especially Simpson Protocol, which I teach around the world. And you can find out all about that at simpsonprotocol.com. Talk soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Inez, that's I N E S, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody, and I'm going to go straight back to Tim, and he's been telling me something about Joyce Brothers, and I want him to actually just tell you, so I'm just going to give it right over to him now. Uh, And as as a fantastic hypnotist, I've learned a lot from her, and one of the things hypnotists learn is how things can be anchored in. Dr. Joyce Brothers, who's a brilliant uh, psychologist, When her child was growing up, every time the child cried, she would run in and hold her and pick her up. What she ended up discovering was the child would cry expecting her to come in and help her. And that ended up creating an incredibly bad habit. The child would cry for no reason when nothing was really wrong because they began to associate that with their mother picking them up. So you have to be careful what you say to your children. The child makes a mistake and you yell at them. You say they're stupid. You say they're incapable of learning. They do, they're going to stop making, they're going to stop telling you about any mistakes they make. They're going to hide them because they're going to protect themselves from danger real and imagined. We don't want to anchor in the, uh, we don't want to anchor our children to believe that if they do something bad, they should hide it and avoid having any kind of punishment. You want them to know that as long as they're honest and they move forward, punishments will be minimal. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, 
I happen to have one of the world's, uh, I, I have to be honest, I have the world's best nephew. I have a nephew named Noah. And Noah made a mistake in school, a minor one. And I got called by the, the principal because uh, his mom and his dad were away. And the principal said, you know, Noah made this mistake and everything. And I asked him about it. And I said, okay, when you asked it, did he tell you the truth? And the principal said, yep, he was absolutely honest. And I said, this is what I want you to do. Uh, he made a mistake. Whatever the punishment is, make it appropriate. But tell him you really appreciate him being honest. And because of that, the punishment is going to be much less. And his honesty was the most important thing. That's what we need to do with our children. We want them to know that they can tell us the absolute truth. Because you don't want those things hidden, like little booby traps that you run into later on in life. You want that openness, that honesty, to be paramount for them. And you want them to know that honesty is always going to be honored in the best way possible. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I love the music you guys play. But um, next time I come on, could you play a little Garnet Rogers or maybe some Archie Fisher? Yeah. Like you get the Canadian feeling. <laughs> I love Garnet. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we as hypnotists, we know that everyone has this huge potential. And, but many people don't believe they have a huge potential because they were very, and it's not, not their parents' fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's about lack of knowing how to do something. And uh, if we hadn't been taught certain ways by, you know, what we do, sorry, I'm digressing here, but what we move forward here as hypnotists is that we learn from the best and then we keep experimenting, learning more, learning more, and moving forward. And that's what we want with um, anybody's learning. There is no such end as a, you know, I know everything and you do it my way and that's it. Uh, there is, it's a constant learning. And like you say, I learn, I keep learning every day. I take courses from other people. I do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so do you. Yeah. And I'm 65. So my mother was 90 something. She was still learning and you know, except maybe a little slowed down now. But, you know, at yeah. 96, she was a, a, an avid learner at 95 from what I could tell. And so that's what you want to start with your child is, is that openness and, and hunger for learning. And there's no end to it really ever. Absolutely. One of the, the beginning passages of the book talks about the fact that uh, if you tell your child when they're three or four years old, they're going to go to Harvard. They're going to go to Princeton. What you've done is you've already given them a destination without teaching them how to read the map. <laughs> mm-hmm. The foundation of what you're doing when you're young is to allow the children to read the map. As they read the map, they're going to find the things that most appeal to them. You know, <laughs> I am an American, but you know how much I love Canada. And there's a particular area I really love. It's Nova Scotia. I absolutely love Nova Scotia. Maybe that's why I like Garnet and, and Archie in Ontario. Anyway, um, but the reason was it has all the elements that I really like. But if I was five or six or seven years old, I could not tell you that's what I would end up loving. I took all the information that came to me. Uh, I took all the things that were interesting to me and I fed those interests. And eventually when I got the opportunity to visit Nova Scotia, it appealed to me because of all the other information I had taken in all the other ways that I had accumulated it, all the other ways I had made it uh, 
you know, part of my life. You don't want to tell children where they're going to go because it ends up pointing them in one direction. The truth is, it's the tangents that truly teach us. It's the tangents that make life interesting for you. If every time, if every time I went out in the golf course, I shot 18 straight holes in one, it would get boring. It would be wonderful. It'll never happen. But it's actually the things that don't go, the things don't go well that make life interesting, right? And by not knowing exactly what's going to happen, there's that dynamic creative tension that's going on. And that dynamic creative tension is something that really causes growth. Um, uh, Herb Bernstein, professor at Hampshire College in, in Massachusetts, he created sort of a, uh, he created a, uh, a radar system. And they ended up using it for something he didn't necessarily appreciate. What happened was, in his mind, he thought of exactly the way it was supposed to be done, and he couldn't perceive of anything else. And then it was used for something that was not conducive to his own beliefs. It's because he had a destination determined, and it stopped him from seeing all the other views that could be out there. We don't want to do that with our children. We want our children to think there is nothing they can't accomplish, and they don't want to put barriers on themselves. And eventually, they're going to find that one thing that one thing in life that really gets them motivated, that really is their greatest success in life. And they're not going to know it at two. They're not going to know it at five or six or seven. That's when they're learning to read the map. But once they understand how to read it, that destination will come in full focus for them. Mm-hmm. I think that was really good. So round of applause for that. <laughs> But, you know, it's we talk about compounding in hypnotists. As hypnotists, we compound things, we tell. And so we compounding, what they're going to be doing with their kids is compounding this new way of seeing things, being open to possibility, being open to learning. And the more, like if you're consistent in it, if you miss a day once somebody went away or you did it later or the next day, doesn't matter. The matter is that you're doing it in a consistent, constant fashion. Absolutely. Absolutely. The thing we talk about in terms, uh, we're, we're omni-trained, right? You and I are omni-trained. And the fact is, in the subconscious mind, habit, habit is vitally important. We create habits that give us, uh, you know, that uh, the habits are like the road that we've traveled on so often. And because we've traveled on it so often, what happens is we tend to stick on those roads. So what we want to do is make sure the roads that we create are the positive ones, the ones that allow us to, to feel good about ourselves. And yeah. if you miss a day or two, getting back on will be fine. But get back yeah. on quickly. Yes. Yeah. So we are on already on the shutting down. So what's on next week quickly? Do you Something else. Something else. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it up on the show page and we'll tell you what it Sheila is. I, oh no, I, it's Sheila Granger and Joanne Edie, and both are friends of mine. What? One is English and one is Canadian. So, next interesting show. See you then. Thanks. Thank you for being a part of the show today. 
Be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol with host Inez Simpson. We can't wait to have you join us again next week. Oh,